0: Stand with me and turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 31. Isaiah 31, if you're there, say amen. Amen. The Bible says these words. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. Stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many. Yes. And in horsemen because they are very strong. But they look not to the Holy One of Israel. Yes. Either seek the Lord, yet he also is wise, will bring evil, will not call back his words, but will rise against the house of the evildoers, against the help of them that work iniquity. Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses flesh and not spirit. The Lord shall stretch out his hand, both he that helpeth shall fall, and he that is hoping shall fall. And they shall fail together. For thus hath the Lord spoken unto me, like as the lion and the young lion roaring on his prey. When a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor base himself for the noise of them. So shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion. For the heel thereof. As birds flying. So will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also he will deliver it. And passing over he will preserve it. Amen. For a little while this morning. And it will absolutely be by the help of the Lord. I want to minister this. Twice passed over. Twice passed over past over I'm gonna ask you today to pray for yourself as we're praying right now to get into the word of the Lord that God would help open your mind and your heart amen that you can lay aside everything of this week of past and what's to take place in the future and hone your mind in on this time shake off every shackle and every chain that you may have walked in here with and just have total focus upon the Lord for the next few minutes all right pray for yourself today God I'm coming to you this morning I'm asking, oh God, that you would help me. Help me, Lord Jesus, to be a recipient of the word, not just the Lord, a Lord giver of it, but a recipient of it. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, let not my mind be distracted by anything, Lord, that has taken place this week up to this point of time. Let not my mind be distracted of anything, God, that is still yet to happen, Lord, in this coming week. I pray, Lord, every shackle and chain, God, that has, the Lord, latched itself upon me, Lord Jesus, today, that I have walked here in this building with. Help me, Lord, to shake it. Help me, Lord Jesus, to have a primary focus that is upon you, to hone in, Lord Jesus, upon you, your purpose, Lord Jesus, in your plan. God, I want to be receptive to the word of God. Your word, Lord, is true. Your word is helpful. Lord, your word is there to help us, Lord Jesus. God, I have nothing against your word. I pray, oh Lord, today, God, allow my life, God, to be open to your spirit. God, open to your purpose, open to your plan. God, here for the next few moments, I pray, Jesus, this morning, God, so that we might be able to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it. God, that we could drink, Lord Jesus, of the well. God, that you have supplied, Lord Jesus, for us today. God, and we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you may be seated this morning in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. Twice, twice passed over, twice passed over. One of the kings of Judah that Isaiah the prophet prophesied during the reign of was one by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah is known through his reign and through the scripture as a great king and as a good king. Especially in comparison to his father that reigned before him. King Hezekiah was stellar in comparison to his father. Not only was he good and great in comparison to him. But he was also good and great compared to his son Manasseh that would serve after him in comparison to both that which came before him and that which came after him he was a very very great and good king Hezekiah he served for 29 years he was known during his reign for abolishing idolatry that had seeped in across the land he was known for tearing down uh, images and tearing down groves and tearing down high places all throughout the land of Judah That was in his kingdom. He was known for destroying the brazen serpent that had been made back in the Old Testament during the time of Moses. That they made that brazen serpent that anybody that would look upon it. That they would be healed of the serpent bite of the fiery serpents of the land. But Israel had taken something that had been a tool of deliverance and they made it an idol for worship. And so Hezekiah, seeing that they had done this, says, Well, let's just do away with that brazen serpent. Their deliverance has become their idol. And so we're going to cast that aside. And so he tore that down as well. He's setting all things in proper order, he's setting all things in alignment with the way that God would purpose and the way that God would have and as it would be as each generation of king or as each new generation of israel or judah would come and go they all had their own enemy that they had to contend with for some it was egypt for others it was the amalekites for others, it was the midianites for others it was the moabites they all in their own generation had their own enemy to contend with and in hezekiah's generation it was no different They would have an enemy that they would face as well. They would have a contender that they would uh, deal with as well. And that was the Assyrians. The nation of Assyria was their enemy. It was the one that wanted to take over them. It was the one that wanted to put them into subjection. However, the Bible says concerning the attitude, concerning uh, the way in which Hezekiah held his kingship, and reigned he rebelled against the king of assyria he rebelled against the enemy and the bible says he served him not quite different than the way that his father had interacted with the enemy the bible tells us that hezekiah's father had paid tribute to the king of Assyria, whose name was Sargon. He paid tribute to him uh, of silver and of gold, of talents, meaning that he was under his thumb. He he owed it, if you will, to the king of Assyria, but not Hezekiah. He said, that might be the way that was done during my father's generation, but I refuse to become, if you will, under the hand of oppression that my father was under. And so he refused to pay tribute To now the king of Assyria, which was Sennacherib, was the king of Assyria. He says, I'm not going to pay tribute to you. I refuse to. I've determined it in my mind that I will not fall under the same hand that my father fell to. I'm trying to put everything in reform. I'm trying to get things back in alignment the way they need to be and where they need to be and so all the while all the while this 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 seems to prop very proper for hezekiah and very grand for hezekiah to, to do this to put all things in order that hezekiah made a mistake he made a mistake we're all subject to that but he made a mistake and his mistake and everything that he did all the reform everything good that he was doing the faux pas and hezekiah's like was this his mistake was making an alliance with Egypt, He said he's tearing down idols. Uh, He's tearing down things that children of Israel's worship that had once been their deliverance. He's not going to pay tribute. He stands flat footed concerning that. But his mistake was making an alliance with Egypt. Just a short reflection in his own history. Just a short reflection in the history of his own nation would reveal that Egypt had been at one time Israel's enemy. Amen. Egypt had been at one time what Assyria was now being, amen, to the nation of Israel now. Egypt at one time had been their enemy. Amen. And back in those days when that was the case, God, by his hand of power, by his hand of might, would come in and intervene through Moses and through Aaron for the deliverance of God's Amen. As the last straw to bring deliverance to Israel during that time he would send that last tenth plague of the destruction of the killing of all the firstborn of the land of Egypt as the final tool. Amen. In breaking the grasp of the Egyptians hands upon them. But now the very nation God had delivered his people from. That nation that he had held them, that had held them in 400 years of bondage, now is going to be the nation that Hezekiah turns to and seeks after for alliance with for deliverance from now their present day enemy. I mean, God delivered Israel from Egypt. And now Judah looks to Egypt for deliverance from Assyria. It just doesn't make good sense that you would do something like that. It's a a little twisted thinking if you really consider it. When we are, whenever we come to a place that we're deceived into believing that what once bound us could now possibly deliver us. That's really where Hezekiah is that we were bound by them for 400 years and God had to come down and give us deliverance but now that I'm in need of deliverance again rather than seeking to God I'm going to seek the thing that I was once bound by twisted thinking to think that the very thing that used to bind you, the very thing that used to incarcerate you, the very thing that used to dictate your life and be your master and tell you where to go and what to do and how to behave that that thing now that you would face opposition, you would go crawling to and make an alliance with it thinking that it's going to be able to get you out of what it once held you in. It just doesn't make good sense to think along those lines. Isaiah then said it right in chapter 31 of Isaiah. He says then to this nation to this king that are thinking the way that they are thinking right now looking to something that at one time bound them now to set them free he says ah, listen it is, a, it is a ignorant thing it is a stupid thing if I can use my own vernacular amen to trust in something like that he said for you to trust in the shadow of Egypt that's going to be your confusion you better believe it brings confusion for you to look to the very thing that once bound you for you to look into an alliance for something that was was once your enemy that that's bring confusion Someone say amen. Isaiah said the strength of Pharaoh. He said that's going to be the nation of Israel's shame. He said it's not going to profit you anything. I think, I know that you think it will, but it's not going to profit you anything. It's not going to help you. It's going to be a reproach to you, a reproach to you if you go down that way. Isaiah cries. He says, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for. Help. Amen. He says, Listen, I know Isaiah is there. He understands what's taking place. He says, I know Assyria has invaded Judah. I know they have taken 40 of your cities already. I know they are besieging Jerusalem. I know they're trying to just wait it out. And they got the ram carts and they got these ramps built up against your walls and they're trying to starve you out and they're trying to do all these things. But Egypt? Really? As an alliance? Egypt? Really? Is that really the answer? I know. Someone say yes. He says, I know, I know that Hezekiah, he said he's not going to pay tribute. But because of the heat that's upon him now, because of the affliction that's on him now, because of the adversary, if you will, turning up the fire on him now, I now know that now he's given in. Now he's given tribute. Now he's paid 300 talents of silver. Now he has paid 30 talents of gold. But Egypt, that's where you're going to go to for help? That's where you're going to go to for your deliverance? That's where you're gonna to go to for your answer? Really? Come Egypt? Come on. Yes, sir. Come on. Woo. Someone say amen. amen. Sure, Egypt, yeah, they have their horses, yeah. Yeah, they have chariots, of course. and Yeah, they have a lot of horsemen, absolutely. Manpower is there. Yeah, they are a strong force to be reckoned with. We know that because we were under their hand before. Yeah, they're a are, there are force strong that's hard to be reckoned with. Amen. We know about all the chariots and their horses and, and their horsemen, all of that. Amen. We've been subject to them. But still, the Egyptians, he said, they're just men. The Egyptians are just still flesh and blood. The Egyptians are just still who they are. They're horses, yeah, they, it might seem like they're strong sinew upon their legs, but in reality, they're just flesh. Amen. But what about God, what about God, Judah? What about God, Israel? I know, I know we might not have the same manpower of horses, and we might not have the same manpower of horsemen or chariots, but what about God? What about the God that delivered you from Egypt? What about the God that delivered you from the Midianites and the Moabites and the Amalekites? What about God? Has anybody considered God? Because God's not a mere man, amen. God is not mere flesh. God is the Holy Spirit. Someone say amen. What about God? I posed that question here this morning. What about God? Huh? It's the next thing that comes on the radar in our life. Are we going to look back to the very thing that used to bind us for our answer? What about God? Are we going to go seeking out, amen, a a place that used to incarcerate us, used to be a master to us for our answer? What about God? If he was good enough to get us out of that mess, he's good enough to get us out of this mess. If he was good enough to deliver then, he's good enough to deliver now. If his power was great enough then, his power is great enough now. He's not grown diminutive. He's not grown slacking. He's not become weak. He's not become feeble. He's not become handicapped. He's not become, if you will, slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness. But God is faithful. God is faithful. What about Because the Bible says, and Isaiah is trying to bring all these things back to the mind of Hezekiah. And back to the mind of Israel. He states, God will do everything he says he'll do. Thank you, Jesus. That's what he says. Yes, Jesus. Look at it for yourself. Oh, In verse number 2. It says, he will not call back his words. Thank you, Jesus. God will not call back his words. In other words, he will do everything that he said that he'll do. In other words, God doesn't have to come up with an alternative plan. That's right. Come on. <laughs> because the dynamics of the battle change, God doesn't have to come up with an alternate plan. He will do all that he gave his words to do. He doesn't call back his words. Huh? doesn't call back his words as a matter of fact in one place of scripture and this applies to earthly kings but also eternal kings that where the word of a king is there is power that's power to execute that's power to fulfill God doesn't call back his words because embedded in the word is the ability and the power to execute and do whatever he said and whatever he spoke but here is the difference if you want to put them against everything Here's the difference between making Egypt your alliance or God your alliance. You ready? Here it is. Verse 1, the Bible says, Woe to them that go down into Egypt for help. But in verse 4, it says, speaking of the Lord, that the Lord of hosts will come down to fight for you. See, whenever Egypt is your alliance, you got to go to them for help. Whenever God is your alliance, he comes to you and helps. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all the difference about you having to go down or him coming down. I guarantee whenever I'm in need of help, I don't want to have to go looking for it. I want it to come find me. And that's what you got with your God. You don't have to go to him for help. He'll come down to you and fight for you. Amen. Amen. Someone say Amen. That's what, that's what God, that's what God yes. will do. He's trying to get them to think about God being in alliance with them rather than Egypt. And in order for them to identify the benefit of having God as their alliance. Yes. He speaks to them in a couple of metaphors. Yes. He speaks to them in a couple of ways that he, he, he makes a pattern, a comparison To what God would be like. He tells them in verse 4. That the Lord would be like a lion. And a young lion. Roaring on his prey. And that when the multitude of shepherds is called forth against him. He would not be afraid of their voice. The picture is this. It's a lion or a young lion that, that is straddling its prey. It has come and wanted and desired this prey. It's straddling. It's over top of its prey. And although shepherds come out and they're saying words against the lion or try to shoo the lion away or trying to distract the lion. The lion has one sense of focus and that's his prey. This is what I want. This is what I desire. And so it doesn't matter what the voices of the shepherds are saying. It doesn't matter how close they are getting to him. He's paying them no attention. He's not afraid of their voices. And the Bible further says, and he doesn't abase himself for the noise of them. You know what that means? It means he doesn't leave. He doesn't go off with his tail tucked between his legs and say, no, don't worry about it. That's the prey. I'll leave that. No, no, no. But his desire and focus is so much on that prey. It doesn't matter what others are saying, how they're coming against him. It will not deter him from his motive he said that's like your God he said your God is as that lion and you are the prey that he desires you are the thing that he focuses upon and whenever he has his focus on you and his desire upon you it doesn't matter what all the other voices are saying or how close they are getting he's going to stay right where he is straddling his prey because this is what he wants this is what he desires he's not going to abase himself he's not going to leave he's not going to go in the opposite direction with his between his legs because you are his prey. Can somebody hear me today? That's the God that you have. He is straddling over you like a lion and he says, I don't care what the voices are saying. I don't care if they come to me with their staff or what they're doing. I'm not gonna leave you here because you're my focus, you're my desire. You are mine. Someone hear me today because that's contradictory or quite contrasting to Egypt. Egypt will leave you in a lurch. If it's not going their way, they're going to pick up their bags and go on. They'll leave you in the dust. You're not meaningful enough to Egypt that they'll care for you in the highs and that they'll care for you in the lows. No, 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 no. They will hear the voices and they'll be persuaded by the highest bidder, but not God. You can't make a bid high enough to deter him from what he wants from what he focused on And that's you yes, sir. Yes, sir. Says he's as a lion yes, sir. Looking over Allelu. His prey He'll come down, he'll fight But he's also Verse number five Another metaphor what he is like he is like Birds It's like birds fly. So will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, note this, defending also, he will deliver it. The next phrase kind of parallels that one. Passing over, he will deliver preserve it picture that is being related to Israel, to Judah in scripture is this not only is he like a lion straddling his prey but he's like birds flying word there for birds the feminine aspect is denoted to it rather than the masculine meaning the mama bird Like a mama bird flying, flying, if you will, to defend, passing over to defend. The picture is of a mother bird that has her nest with her young chicks within the nest that when intruders and adversaries come to the nest, mama hovers A little bit above that nest. And she puts out her wings. She flutters her wings. And she hovers above the nest. To protect the youngins. To protect the little chicks. He says that's what your God will do for you. He will defend you. And by defending you he will deliver you. He will pass over you. And he will preserve There's something that I believe that Isaiah was doing in all of this. Not only was he bringing the attention to the fact that God would do these things in contrast to Egypt, but I think he also wanted Judah to think about the Egypt that they were trying to make an alliance with, that they were once under bondage to. And with great importance, he uses the wording here in the verse concerning the bird over its nest or defending and then delivering it. Yes. He uses the word that that bird as flying will pass over. Yes. Passing over. Yes. And you. will preserve it. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, sir. Passing yes. over. The word that's used right here in Isaiah is the exact same word. That's used in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus chapter number 12. We read of that fateful night. When Israel would be delivered from their Egyptian enemy. When they would be delivered from Egyptian bondage. There was a festival that was started that night. To be carried on and remembered perpetually year by year, celebrated annually. There was a festival by the name of Passover. Alright. Not only is Passover a festival. But it is also a description of the sacrifice that was made that night. Of a lamb for a household. So Passover doesn't just relate To a festival, which it does. But it also relates to the sacrifice of the festival. That's how in the New Testament scripture, the apostle said, the Lord, our Passover. Speaking of the Lamb of God who became that sacrifice. So Passover just isn't the festival, but it's also the sacrifice that was used at the festival. Amen. But if you look even at verse 27 of Exodus 12. I come to believe, it says that ye shall say it is the sacrifice. Whenever your children come and they see everything that you've done, the slaughtering of the lamb, the blood on the lintel on the doorpost and they come and they ask, what does this mean? That's verse 26. He says, ye shall say it is the sacrifice. Passover is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, meaning the festival, who passed over. Are you seeing this? Saying this what's going on right here. This is the sacrifice. Passover is the sacrifice. Passover is the Passover, meaning the Lord's Passover, the festival, yes. who passed over. Yes. We Passover then just isn't the festival, and it's not just the sacrifice that was given at the festival. Passover was also an action. Yes. Watch it now. Yes. Where, where, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. Yes. And the people bowed head and worshipped everybody all right so to, to kind of back up with hearing the little story the feast of Passover the night that Israel was delivered from the Egyptian bondage the Egypt that they're now trying to get in the bed of alliance with on that night word was this everybody take a lamb a lamb for a family a lamb for a household you'll slaughter the lamb the blood will be put in the basin you'll take some hyssop and you'll dip it into the basin you'll strike that blood upon the lintel. You'll strike that blood upon the doorpost of your house. Everybody will go into the house and they will eat. You're going to have your garments on. Your loins are going to be girt. Shoes are going to be on your feet. Staff is going to be in your hand. And there's going to be something that happens at the midnight. There's going to come a cry through the land because all those that have not been obedient to this, there's going to be the slaughtering of the firstborn of Egypt. And every house, every even piece of livestock, the firstborn is going to be slaughtered. But look what the Spirit says. This is the way, this is the way that we've always described. It, but I want to pull your mind somewhere today. We've always described it then that whenever the Lord went by that night whenever he seen the blood he passed over them he passed over them and their houses were spared but this is the way that I believe we think of that whenever the Lord passed over them he passed by them so that nothing happened to their home right? Is that the way we think about it? Him passing over is him passing by. I want to submit to you tonight, even from the book of Exodus, that whenever God passed over them, he passed over them like the bird that flutters his wings above the nest. Watch it now. And then the destroyer. There's two agents here in in Exodus. There's two agents. We'll read of it here in a minute. There's two agents. There's the Lord and there's the destroyer. One passes over in the sense of hovering and fluttering above. Another one passes over in the sense of passing by. It was the Lord that passed over in the sense of hovering. But it's the destroyer that passes over in the sense of passing by because the Lord was passing over in the sense of fluttering. Look at the verse of Scripture, verse number 13. The Bible says, and the blood shall be, this is Exodus 12, 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague, everybody say the plague. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. You want to see it somewhere? else. Look at it in Exodus chapter 12. Amen. in verse number 23. The Bible says for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the look, the destroyer. Here's the Lord, and here's the destroyer. We'll not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. There were two Passovers back in that Old Testament story. One was the Lord hovering above them. That was a Passover. But there was another Passover then because of that, of the destroyer going on by. Can I tell someone here tonight, he's saying you're trying to make Egypt your alliance, but whenever I delivered you from Egypt, amen, it was because I was passing over in you, and then the destroyer passed, you were passed over twice. One of us was there to protect, and the other was to kill, but he had to go on by because I showed up first with a Passover of my wings fluttering to protect you and keep you from harm and keep you from destruction. Someone say amen. Honey, we stand where we are today because we've been passed over twice. The reason why he even stated, he said, in defending, in defending, I'll defend you, but I will deliver you. Deliverance follows the defense. Deliverance follows the defense. The passing by follows the passing over because God showed up as a bird over his hens, as his wings spread over us. There's another Passover of the destruction of the wicked, of the plague passing on by because of God. He says, I'll defend you and I'll deliver you. I'll pass over you and therefore I'll preserve you because there's going to be two Passovers. There's going to be two Passovers. This was not God, this was not God passing over them as by them and then the destroyer passing by. The destroyer passed by because the Lord passed over. Somebody hearing me? He defended so you could be delivered. He passed over so you could be preserved. If I could say it like this, he put himself between whatever was coming after you. We thank God all day long for the deliverance. And I thank Him. We recognize that more than anything. Bless God, I have deliverance. But honey, that deliverance only came because He was passing over. Huh? Huh? Whatever came nigh your door only happened because he was passing over you. That's the reason why the Bible talks about there's healing in his wings and and there's safety in his wings. Because whenever he passes over and those wings are over you, you need healing. It's right there. You need protection. It's right there. You need something financially. It's right there. Because of the first Passover, he causes the next one to pass over by passing by. He defends and he delivers. So it's say amen. Here's the thing. He has a desire as the lion. For you to be his prey. But Jesus in his earthly ministry came down and walked among the people, ministered to the people what happens at one time where the pat when his nose is days are numbered it's not going to be long to the crucifixion he's standing high on an exalted place and he's overlooking the city of jerusalem you remember his words how oft times i would have gathered thee as a hen gathers her brood where under his wing what's he saying I long to pass over you, but what is what is what is what is the statement there? He said, "But ye would not. Ye would not." And tears are falling down his face. The Bible says he wept over Jerusalem. Tears are falling down his face. He said, "Because I would, I would do this." I wonder if all that was taken into consideration at this moment under the reign of Hezekiah. I want to be your answer, Hezekiah. I want to be your answer, Judah. But right now you're looking to an alliance with Egypt. I want to spread my wings over you. But you, you, you're thinking about horses. You're thinking about chariots. You're looking at manpower. And you, you're looking at all these things. But you've neglected to see the feathers of my wings that would really like to encompass you. But but you have your mind in, you know, the next big thing of Egypt and thinking that the very thing that used to bind you can deliver you. And I, would, yeah, I would. But you wouldn't have anything to do with it. I would. But you're not interested in that option right now. I would I ask myself the question, I wonder how many times God is over in the corner of my life saying that they would just let me in, if they would just let me edgewise in, if they just allow me to intercept. But we want to go on about with our business our way and the way we want to do it with our lives. In essence, we're just told God, don't worry about it, I'll call you if I need you. And he's over there like an eager lion. I'd really like to be straddling my prey right now. I'd really like to be fluttering my wings Uh, but my chicks right now but they won't but they won't it's a wall of protection see the Old Testament even in Exodus also also in Isaiah when you look at the word Passover a few different things that come, come to mind there in the meaning of the word. This over can mean to hop, skip, over, for, or spare. But it can also mean to halt, to hesitate, to limp. you got both connotations pass over hop or leap pass over as to spare but there's the other sense of just hesitate halting exact same word exact same word that uh, whichever it was I think it was Elijah used on Mount Carmel Whenever he asked the, the, those who were serving Baal, how long halts ye between two opinions? Why? Because they were betwixt and between. They were not not making no mind up. They were at a hesitant state. It's kind of like the limp. Huh? You walk alongside someone that has a limp. They're not quite as quick as you are. Huh? So passing over is not just sparing or leaping or passing by. It's also that hesitation, that halting and they had been passed over twice one with a hesitation and the other with a sparing hallelujah Bible in the New Testament it goes over and over again there's old song it's like an old spiritual Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Blind Bartimaeus, when he heard that it was Jesus passing by, he cried out. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying he didn't want him to pass by. He wanted him to pass over. Jesus walking up on the water past the boat upon which the disciples were and they were toiling the Bible says in the rowing and the Bible says that as they were toiling in the rowing that Jesus would have passed by but the Bible says that they cried out unto the Lord and what happened he ended up getting on the boat and in their mess with them he passed over he hesitated he halted as I spoke just last Sunday when those two boys were on their way to Emmaus and the Lord came down and spoke to them. The Bible says that Jesus would have went further, but it was toward night, and those two boys constrained him and had him to stay. Why? They didn't want him to pass by. They wanted him to pass over. They oh, somebody say hallelujah. In each of those stories, the cry that the people had were an invitation that they were giving unto the Lord. That prompted him not to pass by, not to go further, but it caused him to halt, it caused him to hesitate, it caused him to stop, it caused him to come down to where they were. Oh yes. (laughs) David understands. David understands all of these measures and ways he understands this the Bible says in Psalms 142 you can just open your Bibles there it's, the whole chapter is just 7 verses but Psalms 147 142 remember? this is David this is David praying this is David praying when he was in the cave of Adullam alright in the cave of A doula. Now watch this. David has had a fugitive right now in his life. King Saul's already let loose of a few javelins and spears that nearly got David. But David ducked out of his presence. The one he had been an armor bearer to, Saul, now is after his life. After the battles, the people have come back. The ladies have been singing. Saul had killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. That didn't set too well with Saul. Not a little jealous. A little jelly, as they would say, in the modern day. Had even murder in his heart for him. Back and forth. And so David flees. David flees the kingdom of Saul because he has an adversary in Saul. All right? He has an adversary in Saul. Just walk with me here for a little bit. So the first, David first goes to the temple, gets the sword of Goliath that he had had. He goes on his way, but the first location that he actually goes to stay, now look at this, he goes to Gath. He's looking for safety because he has an adversary in Saul right now. He's looking for protection. And he goes to Gath. Do you know what Gath was? Gath was the place that Goliath was from. think it hadn't been that long ago that the stone had found its place in the head of Goliath. Who did that? David. And that he had cut off Goliath's head with Goliath's own sword. Who did that? David. And now David has an adversary. And he's going to go to the town of somebody he murdered? That don't make good sense, does that? I mean, I'd almost be fearful there'd be most wanted pictures on the trees, you know, in that city. You know, that guy kind of looks familiar there. As a matter of fact, they did pick upon that this guy looks familiar. The king of Gath says, is this not David? And the Bible says that David started to act almost insane. He had spittle coming out of his mouth into his beard, almost acting just totally deranged, you know. Because they picked upon, they picked upon, but this is the man that killed our big champion, Goliath. And so he started acting a little bit insane. He, he had sought out Gath of all places for protection. And so what are they picked up on? He's got to act like an idiot, you know, to get out of it. Say, so, no, he can't stay here. Just send him on. You know, he's insane. He's whatever. He's got issues and problems. Send him on. Well, David, you should have known better to seek refuge at Gath. For one thing, Gath means wine press. I mean, it did you. Tell you what, you want to add insult to injury? Go put yourself in a wine press, you know. Go, go put where, man. They'll, they'll just squeeze the life out of you. That that place is known for squeezing stuff out of things. You know what I mean? It, it's known for allowing the fluids, you know, to go. You know, and everything, you, know? you don't want to. You don't want to size, seek for refuge and safety at the wine press. So he got out of gas. and the Bible says so. Then, and then he no refuge was found there, seemingly, and that wasn't going to, you know, protect him. The Bible says he went to the cave of a doula. The cave of Adulam. And it's while David is in this cave of Adulam that he pins the 142nd Psalm. He goes to Adulam for his refuge. He goes to Adulam for his safety and his protection. And, and they are, they, they were large recesses in the rock, rock where, where hundreds of men could even, could even go back into and, and seemingly find safety but while David is in the cave of Adullam you can just look through the verses pan with your eyes through the verses of Psalms 142 we hear that David is crying out we hear that he is pouring out his complaint unto the Lord he's talking about how his spirit is overwhelmed within him he talks about in verse 4 that refuge has failed him. Wait a minute, David. Yeah, we know Gath wasn't a good gig. We know Gath wasn't a good gig. Refuge failed you. You have an adversary and Gath wasn't a good gig, it failed, and you're in the cave of Adullam, and you're still crying out that your spirit is overwhelmed, and you're in the cave of Adullam, and you're still crying out that refuge has failed you, because you got to understand, the cave of Adullam is, is just a couple miles, just a couple miles from the valley of Elah, the very place that David defeated Goliath. It's just a couple miles from there. A doula means their testimony. In other words, David went for a comfort, a comforting place just two miles where he had a victory before. Two miles where he had a victory before. If you will, it was very, almost symbolical to and joined to his victory he had there. And he thought, you know, I have an adversary. I'm a fugitive for my life. I'm going to try to find some comfort and refuge in an old past victory, in an old testimony. But that's fine and well. Thank God for the deliverance that Israel had concerning Goliath. Thank God that it just took one stone from that shepherd's bag that planted in the head of Goliath. David, those are great things to remember. That that, that testimony, that action, what took place, that's great to remember. Yes. But you gotta come to a place that you don't always seek refuge in what he has done, but in who he is. That's right. That's right. Huh? Because here's the thing. It's not always going to be by a stone and a sling that he may give you victory. It's not always going to be by a sword that he may bring victory it's not always going to be by Judah going out and ambushments being sent that he's going to get victory God does not always operate in the same mode in the same way and so you can't just put your refuge in some action of the past you need to put your refuge in the person of the past the present and the future in your God and so David that's the reason why although he's in the cave of Adullam not far from where he had a very great victory he's still overwhelmed in his spirit and he's still crying out unto the Lord with his complaint and he says lord refuge have failed me and then comes that moment of clarity in verse 5 he said the lord i cried unto thee O lord i said thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living he cried unto the lord and he knew the lord would attend unto his cry and bring him up out of his prison what did david know david knew that god amen will pass over me as a bird fluttering his wings above me and it will cause the adversary it will cause what's coming against me to pass over me in the sense of passing by me folks in order for there to be deliverance we need a passover in god that is a defender in order to be passed over and passed by by our adversary we need a passover that hesitates we need a passover that halts, and we find that in our god <laughs> it's true. Oh, brother McGinnenden. No, no, it's true. Even whenever David was in the cave of Adullam, the Lord sent the prophet Dad to him. And Dad told David, he said, don't abide in the hold. He said, don't abide in the cave of Adullam. Don't do that. I know you sought this out as your refuge. He said, but it can't be everything you It can't, it can't be everything you it can't be the lion and the bird for you. no you're going to have to find refuge not in Gath not in the Doolam it's not in a physical location David it's in a person it's in the higher power it's in your God if you'll stand with me this morning woe to those that would go down to Egypt for help horses have they chariots David in the Psalms even picked up on that one if you'll remember he said some trust in horses and others in chariots but we will remember the name of the Lord our God because that's the Passover that hesitates, halts flutters its wings and whenever it happens it gives way to another Passover that's a passing by of the destroyer, a passing by of the plague, the passing by of the adversary in so much everything changed in the scripture Isaiah's good speech did well, did it did well cause Hezekiah to remember all this my Bible tells me that Hezekiah then went to the Lord. You can read of it in the scripture. It's in Isaiah. It's also, it's also back in 1 in, in first, first Kings. That Hezekiah went to the Lord and he prayed to God about Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. There is a very good lesson in that. Pray to God about your adversary. He went to the Lord about Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. And you know what the Lord spoke to him? He just prayed to God about it. When he prayed God about it, God came down. The Lord told Hezekiah. He said, Hezekiah, I know your abode. I know you're going out. I know you're coming in. He says, I even know your adversary, his going out, his coming in. I know his rage against me. And since he has raged against me, and this has come up to my ears, and you've made it known unto me, he says, I'm gonna put a hook in that old boy's nose, and I'm gonna bridle, put a bridle in his lips, and I'm gonna turn him back by the same way that he came. And he said, concerning that adversary that came against you, he's not gonna come into your city. He's not going to shoot an arrow there. He's not going to come there with his shields. He's not going to cast a bank against you. By the same way he came, he's going to return. He's not going to come into Jerusalem. This is what the Lord said to Hezekiah. He said, I will defend. You know what he's saying? I'll pass over it. I'll pass over it. I'll defend this city and save it. You know what that is? So for number two, he said, I'll defend it. He said, but I'll also save it. That all of that mess is going to pass on by. He said, for your sake. And the Bible says that as Israel slept and the Assyrians slept, the angel of the Lord came and smote 185,000 Assyrians. And when they woke up the next morning, business was already taken care of. God had come down and halted and hesitated and passed over and that caused all of the besieging that they had done on Jerusalem to profit to nothing because since he was defending they had to pass over by passing by every other nation read it in your Bibles they had taken every other nation Matter of fact, that's how they were striking fear into the heart of Hezekiah. We've taken this one and their gods, this one and their gods. How are you going to be any different from any of these others? I'll tell you how. Because we're going to be passed over twice. We're going to be passed over twice. God's going to pass over us by hovering above us. And you're going to pass over us by passing by us. That's how it's going to be different from any of the others. No other nation had a God that would hesitate over. No other nation had a God that would hold over them. But our God's like a bird that flies. Our God's like a lion that crouches over his prey. He's not deterred. He's not deterred. He's not influenced by the voices of the adversary. Folks, we've been passed over twice today. We've been twice passed over. One by the Lord. And because of his defense, he has given us deliverance. We can bow our heads in this place this morning. These altars are open. Anybody, anybody that may have started out very good as Hezekiah did in your reform or started out good in the aligning of things in conjunction with your God, but your enemies struck fear into your heart. It's even caused you to consider getting an old adversary, a one that used to bind you to look to them for an alliance, to look to them for help. Folks, that's not where it's at. That's not where it's at. What about God? He's not a man. He's not flesh. He's spirit. Pharaoh will fail you. Egypt will be ashamed. It will be confusion and a reproach to you. But God will be as a lion unto you. God will be as a bird that hovers above its nest unto you. He'll pass over and hesitate. He'll come down to where you are. He'll come down. If you cry, He'll come down to where you are. You don't have to go seeking out for Him. You just cry to Him and He'll come down to where you are. Is there somebody in this building today that's in a place or position of life that you need God to come down to where you are? You need Him to straddle you like a lion straddling His prey whose focus is totally upon you, whose attention is totally given to you. Do you need Him to hover above you as a bird? that with its protective wings is fluttering above its nest not allowing any outside to sell it to get in but because he's there they're passing by because he's there they're passing over because he's there there's not a hair of their head that's being hurt and there's not no, there's no dilemma coming to their home or household because he's there passing over them and passing over them he's preserving them defending them he's delivering them you've been twice passed over You've been twice passed over. Let's talk to the Lord this morning. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Jesus. God, I've been twice passed over today. I've been twice passed over today. God, you you, you came before the plague came. You came before the destroyer came. You came before the king of Assyria came. You passed over before they passed by. Had you not passed over, they probably would have not passed by, but have been twice passed over. God, I'm not looking, God, to things that used to bind me as an allegiance. I'm not looking to things that used to, Lord, incarcerate me, God, to be my hope, to be my strength. I'm not even, Lord, leaning on the actions of past victories, but I'm looking upon the God of past victories. I'm looking on the God of past pictures. God, help me, Lord, not to abide in the hold of Egypt, not to abide in the hold of of horses and chariots and, and things of flesh and things of blood and things of men. Help me, Lord Jesus, to look into Jesus, the author. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.